When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. After leaving teaching because of some serious burnout, she vowed to build the community she wished existed when she needed it most. She went from classroom teacher to an educational consultant, instructional designer, and six-figure business owner. Now, she's here to help you achieve happiness and work-life balance, whether inside or outside the classroom. Come join our discussion as we talk about managing teacher burnout, career transitions outside the classroom, starting a side hustle, and everything in between. Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez. Welcome to the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Gomez. And in this episode, I interview Katie Stoddard. She's the owner of Ed2 Market and is a seasoned marketing expert in K-12 education. She has a background as a former educator, so we go through all of the steps that she took and the journey she had outside of the classroom And she brings nearly 20 years of experience in content developing and marketing roles and now is going to share all of her wisdom about what she looks for when she hires teachers outside of the classroom and what you need to know if you're looking to land your next role in the marketing space. Hi, Katie. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Katie, I was so excited when I looked at your background and knew that we booked you for this interview because we've done some deep dives on sales. We've done deep dives into different career paths, but you have a really impressive career when it comes specific to marketing. You have over 20 years in marketing and you started out as an eighth grade language arts teacher. So I have to start there. Can you tell us all about your career, some of the paths that you've taken even after you left the classroom? Yes, absolutely. So I um, started as an English language arts teacher, like you said, I taught for two years. And actually, it was one of those things where I had been kind of considering leaving the classroom and just wondering if it was the right role for me. And at the same time, enrollment in the school that I was in was going down and I was low man on the totem pole. And so my position was was reduced. And so it really kind of forced me to think about, do I want to look at another teaching position in this district or another one, or just see what else is out there? And so before I had gotten into teaching, I had always really dreamed of this career in publishing, and I explored what else was out there. And so I was lucky enough to come across, at the time, it was Sopris West Educational Services. Now, many of us know it as Voyager Sopris. But I was able to get a job as a temp editor there and um, use my background as an English language arts teacher and do some temp editing on some ELA curriculum. And so at the time, it was elementary um, reading and literacy programming. And I just, I loved it. It was just kind of fun thinking about education from a different angle and a different perspective and really being part of that creative and content development process. And it really just kind of boosted my career path in a different direction. Even that first role, you took a temp job, which is, you know, (laughs) on paper, 
it feels like a risky position to take and to leave a quote unquote stable position for in teaching. Were you really nervous to take that risk? Yes and no. I mean, first of all, I was probably 23 or 24 at the time. So it was a little bit different. I was, you know, not a highly paid educator with just two years of experience. And I had been laid off my position technically because of enrollment. So I was in a different position where I wasn't necessarily leaving a salary to take this role. And so I, at the time where I was located in Colorado, there was not a ton of opportunities in education publishing. So to me, it was like, wow, this one sounds amazing. It sounded like there was long-term potential there. And I just really liked um, what I would be able to do there. Do you feel like taking that first leap into even the temporary position helped you really learn the ins and outs of the corporate environment or marketing in general? Absolutely. And so one thing to note, um, before I actually started, was a teacher, I had a bachelor's degree in English. And I worked as a writer editor at like a little business writing firm for a year. The job honestly was not the best, um, but it gave me a little bit of experience, kind of customer experience, a little bit of kind of, you know, just the ins and outs of a corporate environment a little bit more. Realized that was not the job for me and decided to go to graduate school to pursue teaching. And so I had a, you know, a little bit of an unusual or not unusual, but a little bit of maybe a different kind of path to the classroom where I had a little bit of experience to leverage, even though it was only a year, it was something on my resume. And so, yeah, so I think, you know, going to Sopris at the time and getting that experience as a temp, just seeing what it was like working in a publishing house, seeing what kind of that back end looked like. And I think at the time, you know, again, I was in my early 20s, I didn't have this grand plan of, what is my long-term career look like in education? I just wanted to do something that was going to make sense, make, ensure that I didn't waste my time in graduate school and earn that degree that I got and um, you know, just do something that I was excited about. And that's what I really focused on with this job. And also, I would say it was very comparable when it came to pay what I was making in the classroom versus what I was making in this temporal. That's incredible. And that's usually people who are earlier on in education are able to match their salaries much quicker. I was only a few years into teaching. I had a master's degree, but I was able to pretty much match it and increase it within the first year with a role that, you know, I was working one third of the hours that I was as a teacher. Moving into your career trajectory even after that temporal because you continued to grow and climb the corporate ladder. How did you pick new roles or new companies to work for throughout the years? I feel so lucky whenever I talk about this that I just kind of feel like I ended up in all these great situations that put these roles in front of me or just kind of fell into my lap at the right time. So I feel very fortunate about that. I'll definitely talk through that. So I worked as a temp editor for about a year at um, Voyager Sopris. And then I was approached by someone on the production and design side for me to go over there and support really production management, which in publishing is a lot. And especially this was 2006, 2007. So it was around kind of like routing, you know, content between editorial and design and authors and things along those lines. And so a job had opened up. I think I was just, I'd been around for a little while. I understood what was going on. 
And I definitely was starting to make some friends in the organization. And so it was really a great opportunity. And that was a full-time role. And so I officially transitioned out of being a temp there. And I just kind of grew a little bit into that role, starting as a coordinator and then moving into a production manager and really kind of working closely with design and production. Keeping in mind, this was a elementary publisher at the time. So really graphic heavy, lots of design, things like that. And so it was great seeing both sides. I had that editorial experience. I was kind of starting to understand like design and production best practices. And honestly, at the time, I don't think I realized how valuable all of this experience was, but it would turn out to be quite valuable. And so it was great. I loved the company. I loved the team that I had there or the, the team that I worked with. But one of the biggest drawbacks of this role was that it was an hour-long commute each way for me. And so I started looking into just what else was out there. I started feeling like I had some experience and I could start transitioning into something else. And this is still a part of my career where I wasn't even focused on staying in education. I loved publishing at that point. And so I was really looking at what else was out there publishing-wise. And so I applied probably over a six-month period for just everything I possibly could just to get closer to the city because I was living in the city and just commuting out of it every day. And so I ended up finding this role, which was part of a company called the Leadership and Learning Center, which was a professional learning organization. And they were looking for a new publishing director. And they were a very small imprint. Um, They mainly published a handful of books that really supported the professional learning workshops. And then they would publish training materials and training manuals, some, you know, at the time DVDs, things like that. And so it worked out really well. It was such a better fit for me in terms of location. And it was a huge step up. I ended up, they hired me as publishing manager, but from a salary perspective, it was a significant step up from being in an editorial and production role and kind of jumping into this publishing role. And what was so interesting about this company was they had one person in this role prior, that person left, and then they hired me. It was like I was the one person publishing team. So, you know, in hindsight, I was in my late 20s, early 30s, like, I was given tons of responsibility, and really kind of leeway with what I wanted to do with this role and position. And so when I started, in addition to that, pretty much the whole professional learning team was new. My manager was pretty new to the team and she didn't have any publishing experience and really was just kind of looking to me to drive this whole department. And so I had a budget to work with some outside contractors and freelancers. And it was so fun, to be honest, because I got to take this super small imprint that would publish as things came up and not always focused on the overall goals or what was selling super well when it came to professional learning services. And we got to completely redo that whole process. And so in the first year, I think, I don't know the exact number, but it was somewhere like 15 to 18 books that we published, which was significantly more than they had published before. We moved really quickly. We were able to sign some new authors and bring some new voices in. And it was just such a great experience. I learned so much and had such a great time. I loved that team. Eventually, the company was actually acquired by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. 
And we were still working the same thing. We were publishing our, my department was growing a little bit. So I was able to hire and we were able to continue to evolve. And again, it was just such this great experience of really kind of diving into what professional learning publishing looks like and how that aligns to professional learning services. But ultimately, I felt like being this sort of one or two person department, I just wasn't learning as much as I wanted to. And I felt like I had kind of further places to go in my career. So again, I just started looking at what else was out there. And that's what actually um, drove me to Corwin. And um, this is a really funny story because I had applied originally for an editorial position in Corwin because really to that point, most of my career was in publishing and content development. And I went through lots of interviews. You know, I knew Corwin as an organization before that. We had partnered quite a bit when I was at the Leadership and Learning Center with Corwin anyways. So I, you know, was really excited about the role and ultimately I didn't get it. And I was bummed, but, you know, I was still ready to stick out with HMH and I was excited about that. And then, I don't know, maybe two or three days later after I got the news that I didn't get that editorial role, I got a call from the marketing director at Corwin, who was someone who I met with during the interview process. And um, this is a funny story. And we're still friends to this day. So she'll laugh when she hears this. But she said, she was like, would you be interested in coming to Corwin as a senior marketing manager? And I was like, I don't have any marketing experience. Like, why, you know? And she's like, no, I, during the interviews, like you talk like a marketer, you, ha- you get it. Like you understand this market and you, you really get education and you kind of come with that teacher background. And so I was just really like very transparent that like, I don't have this skill set, but I'm interested because I loved the company and I still kind of was excited about a new opportunity. And so we did a couple interviews. I chatted with some folks on the marketing team and I went for it. Like she had faith in me and really it was just, you know, probably a position I never would have applied for because I don't ha- didn't at that time have real marketing skills. But I think just through that relationship and kind of meeting through the interview process, she found something in me that I honestly didn't even ever think of as a career path. And it turned out to be really like the best decision I could have made because that's where my marketing career path started and has evolved from there. Yeah, and it sounds like with all of those positions, depending on the type of company, whether it's a smaller startup or a larger one, there's always different responsibilities. But it sounds like you had a good variety of different work environments that gave you this really holistic view of product, of of organization strategy, of even managing freelancers, which ultimately set you up to own your own company. Absolutely. And I think it's one of those things that I did not realize this along the way that I was getting all of these great opportunities and experiences. And it really wasn't until, you know, I launched my company and and realized how valuable these things were that I realized how fortunate I am to have had this path that I've had. And, you know, I think as an entrepreneur, many of us think like, oh, I wish I would have started this company 10 years ago or 15 years ago because I started my company in early 2020 and it's been great and I love what I do. But I also realized I could not have had the success that we have if I would have started it sooner because I needed all of those experiences along the way. 
Absolutely. I feel like there are so many experiences in my life where I have that same exact feeling of, oh, I wish that would have happened earlier. And I'm like, I wouldn't have been that smart earlier. I would have, I probably (laughs) would have struggled even more than I do right now. So that's such a great outlook to have. One of the things that I really was excited to pick your brain about, which I know all of our listeners are going to be excited to hear your input is as a business owner, you're responsible for hiring and picking who's going to be a top candidate for new positions. And you really wanted to come on and share why you think teachers make great marketing professionals and what they can do to stand out. So let's dive into a little bit about your business and then what types of paths are going to be really good fits for teachers. The first thing I really wanted to ask was at your company, Someone who's totally new to marketing might see the different categories that you do. Marketing strategy, planning, content development and market research, email marketing and automation, social media, web design, SEO. They might see all that and think, do I have to learn all of those things in order to get into marketing? Do I have to be this Jack or Jill of all trades? What are the roles that do specific types of content? And then who are the roles that might be more general or or for almost everything. Sure. Let me start answering that question, if it's okay with you, by giving a little bit of overview of what we do and kind of how we work with clients. And that'll really set me up for the next part of that. And so at Edsmarket, we are a marketing agency who works with companies in the education space who are mostly selling products and services to schools and school districts. So our core clients are folks like curriculum companies, professional development organizations, ed tech companies, um, nonprofits, anyone in that education space. We have a handful of clients who are more selling like educational products to parents, like tutoring or learning apps or things like that. But really, you know, 90% plus of our clients are those that are going direct to schools and districts. And the way that we work is every single client comes to us with different needs. Some have no marketing team at all. Some have big teams and they really just need additional support. And so every single client, we're building a plan that works for them. And so we do consider ourselves a full service agency where we offer, you know, anything that falls under a marketing umbrella. Like Daphne said, you know, social media, email marketing, content development, website SEO, anything that's really, you know, marketing related. But that does not mean that every single one of our clients wants all those services or needs them. Some of our clients might come to us just for one or two, like we just want content development and some email support, or some are working with us just for graphic design and social media or something along those lines. And so we're working on kind of building plans that make sense. And so in our team, we have a mixture of employees and contractors. And every client who works with us gets what we call a marketing project manager, which is their main point of contact and kind of the person driving strategy for their account. That person should probably have some kind of marketing experience, you know, whether they've worked for a marketing team in an education company or something along those lines or kind of grown up with our company and learn those skills over time. And then we lean on other folks that specialize in other areas. So we have social media marketers who really only do social media. We have graphic designers. We have a couple content folks who focus just on writing, whether it's blog writing or emails or other content that we need, you know, case studies, things along those lines. 
We have market researchers. So we have people that really specialize in those areas, just like we also have some of the technical things like website and SEO. So those more, you know, kind of rounded positions of those marketing project managers, typically because they've had, you know, longer careers in marketing, they have skill sets in, in some of those areas, but they don't always have the capacity to do everything. And so that's when we'll lean on sort of some of those additional experts, whether they're employees or contractors that we use from time to time. And that makes sense with that marketing project manager, because it sounds like they have to be able to make an inference of how long something's going to take, who's going to be the best fit for the position, whether or not they're able to do it, or if they do need to actually outsource it. And so that takes a level of expertise for, you know, someone to jump into that role and not really have experience with that. It's going to be a much harder learning curve and potentially a bad fit for them. But what would be one of the better entry-level positions for a teacher who's looking to get into marketing and just wants to get their toes in the water and really start to understand this world, but without doing a ton of upskilling? Yeah, absolutely. I immediately think that we see a lot of success when educators look at roles like content development, social media, market research, email writing, things like that, that are skills that are relatively easy to learn. I think you can do some kind of self-learning through some high quality content that you could probably find for free or very affordable on YouTube, HubSpot blogs, things like that, and just really kind of upskill and also have those work samples. And so even if you're not getting a part-time job as a marketer right away, start drafting some emails, start creating some social media posts. Maybe it's something you could do for your school or um, you know, blogs. You can submit to third-party blogs anytime that you want to. There's so many of them out there. And so start getting those samples because that's the biggest thing to then kind of convert it into an actual like contractor position. Yeah. And that's something that people see these roles and they get so excited. Like social media, being able to handle someone's Instagram is so much fun and it seems like such a cool position. And a lot of teachers are really learning the actual platforms like Canva that honestly, you know, you may be able to get a job as a social media manager, just depending on the company and what the qualifications are for that company, if they're using Canva for their graphic design. But anyhow, I think the piece that's really missing is people are playing around, they're learning these things, but then they're really not accurately reflecting what they're able to do or bring to the table when they're submitting resumes. Is that something that you're seeing on your end as well? Yes, definitely. We see um, anytime that we have an open position or we typically have just an open ongoing you know, position open for contract support, we do see that disconnect where we see a lot of educator resumes, which we're excited about because as an education marketing agency, we rely on our expertise in this field. And oftentimes we want teachers. We have multiple teachers and former teachers working on our team. And so when there is, you know, those transferable skills that would work in marketing aren't apparent on someone's resume, it's difficult to understand if they're going to have that skill set and if it's something that makes sense for us. And so it's a mixture of seeing those samples and then having a really good understanding of what this looks like to manage it. So again, like for us, being that we typically support companies in this space, like I love it when teachers can come to us and say, these are some of the best social media support or posts that I've seen for companies that I love or resources that I use in my own classroom. And here's why I like it. 
And these are things that I would replicate in this role and things along those lines. So really having a strong understanding of, you know, like, especially for us, agency social media is very different than personal social media. And so just being able to sort of have a, a true grasp of what that role would entail and what skills would make sense. Yeah, I think I'd love to dive into even I heard you say you want someone with an educational background. And this is something that I have seen at the companies. I worked for Microsoft. I worked for GoGuardian. And when it was coming to content writing, when it was coming to creating the professional development or doing something that's going to be public facing, speaking about education, they wanted someone with an educational background to help them create the content because someone who has not been a teacher can easily misstep and do something that could go viral in a bad, cringy way because they don't even understand education. I'll give kind of like a basic, think of something like a test assessment company could create a campaign that just says like, oh, this is going to help solve the teacher retention problem because we're creating more tests to help them assess their students. And most teachers would be like, well, that's the biggest headache that we have right now. Like that doesn't solve our problem. And so talking to teachers and seeing what do they need? How can they talk about it so that it makes it a more needed platform or program that they have is the role of a marketer. What have you seen teachers be able to bring just by having experience and education to a marketing position? Absolutely. I think The role I see of a marketer is to solve the problems of the audience that we have. And so exactly what you're saying, if we don't know the problems that they have and we can't articulate that, then we cannot solve it. And so when we have educators on our team, I'm a former educator, granted it's been a while, but I spend as much time in schools even now as I can through a variety of other ways. We have um, four other former educators on our team, um, both at the teacher and the admin level. And we spend a lot of time talking to teachers and administrators just so we have that ongoing kind of language and understanding of what's going on around school or inside of schools. And so, you know, without knowing that and just guessing or just kind of guessing based on what you see in the news or what you see with your own kids' school, that is not effective marketing. And you can, and I think, educators see right through that, you know, I mean, if if you're not talking the same way that they talk, and, you know, really highlighting the true problems and using the same words and the language that they would, then they see through that. And it feels very inauthentic. And so it's so important, you know, I think, even more so like for us as an agency, we value that education experience, we talk about it with our clients, all of our team who is client facing, has education experience and anyone who's creating content has education experience. Again, whether that's for education marketing or classroom, and you can't make that up. You have to have that. You have to have that experience and really understand what it means to talk with educators. But there is a balance. Just sending in a resume that says, I was a teacher for 10 years is not going to help you stand out for these types of positions because you have to be able to prove that you're passionate about the position and that you understand what the role is and that you've gotten your hands a little bit dirty so that people know that you'll even enjoy it. 
you know, looking at marketing project manager, content marketing manager, this is something that I've said so many times, this exact same example, but I thought that I would love writing blogs just based off of what I thought I would love owning my own business. Mm -hmm. And then I found out I really like search engine optimization. (laughs) And I would have not known that, you know, blogs kind of drained me to actually do the writing of them. But I like the strategy. I like automations with emails. I like search engine optimization. And that's the type of thing that you're not really going to know until you start getting your hands dirty and understanding that. And so people who are in charge of hiring also want you to be able to reflect on what you like and don't like during the interview process, which is not going to happen if you haven't really started to learn these different types of roles and picked out what you liked. Exactly. And I think, you know, in a similar situation, I thought early on in my career, I wanted to be a high school teacher. And I realized really quickly that wasn't for me. And I decided to be a middle school teacher. And so I think you just you have to dabble in this stuff to really get what makes sense for you and and understand what you like. And also with that said, you know, in every role I've ever had, there's probably aspects of it that I didn't love or were those things that I wanted to quickly kind of get done and checked off and move on to something I liked better. And so you have to really figure out what that is. And, you know, the beauty of contract work is you could just choose to do that one thing that you love to do. Like one of our, the contract marketing managers that we work with, she loves writing. It's all she wants to do. And it's all we assign her. And we assign her work a lot all day long. And she gets out amazing content. And so I think, you know, that's not for everybody. Like for me, I love writing, but I think I have a limit on to how much good quality content I can write in any given day. And so you really have to kind of understand what works for you and, you know, dabble in it a bit. And I think some of the folks that we've worked with, I am sure the samples that they shared were, you know, not necessarily, you know, published samples or things like that too. But we just need an understanding that you know what it is when we say we need a content blog on this topic or, you know, like that you would know what that meant or we need, you know, social media posts for this company for a month. What does that look like? And so we need to be able to, you know, take a look at your resume or your portfolio and see that that work is transferable. Yeah, that's such good advice. I'd love to go back a little bit more about your own journey from leaving the classroom and now owning your own company. How do you feel like just those few years in the classroom set you up for success in all the different positions? What types of skills did you find were really transferable and helped you with the rest of the roles that you took after the classroom? It's such a great question because I mean, first of all, I am the first to admit it was only two years. It wasn't, you know, 10 or 15 years of teaching experience and, and it's been pretty far removed. And so a couple of things. So I think the first thing is early on in my career, I would really, anything that I was doing, I would think about, you know, myself as a teacher and how this would impact the work that I was doing, whether it was creating curriculum content at a publisher or professional learning content or anything along those lines, I would really try to view it in the eyes of myself as a teacher. And then I think one of the things that I realized, again, early on was that idea of having that education experience or that classroom experience was so important. But you know, not everybody could just up and go be a teacher for a couple of years to get that. And there's other ways to get access to teachers and to classrooms. And so 
through that, I would spend a lot of time at conferences and a variety of the companies that I'd work with where we'd engage with teachers. And it wouldn't just be at the booth. And I, again, this is back to, I think I had a lot of great opportunities along the way where I'd get to go to professional learning conferences and engage in the sessions as if I were an educator, you know? And um, so really just sitting side by side and hearing teachers talk about this and reflecting on their students and what this looks like to bring back to the classroom tomorrow. Those were just such great opportunities or just even in the booth at conferences, talking to teachers and, you know, hearing what they're struggling with and, you know, administrators too, not always just teachers. And then, um, you know, volunteering in classrooms as much as I can. And so now that's a little bit easier for me. I have three kids in elementary school. And so I spend as much time as I can at school, volunteering on district committees, things like that. And it's different. Absolutely. That is not at all being a teacher. But I think it's just, you know, kind of having experience and a little bit of familiarity in those environments is such a positive thing and a way to kind of continue that knowledge when it comes to what's happening in schools and classrooms. And then I think, you know, there's other ways too. like, I, you know, am reading content on a regular basis from, you know, some of my favorite education blogs and news sources and listening to podcasts and things like that, just so I'm constantly and my whole team is getting that, you know, language and those hearing those kind of issues that everyone's dealing with and understanding that a little bit deeper, because you can't say, oh, I had two years of experience as a teacher back in 2004. And I know everything about education. And, you know, obviously things have changed in the last two decades. You still have the heart of a teacher where you just love to build relationships as like a parent, but also you're a forever learner and you're continuously learning about education and passionate about education and making sure you're staying knowledgeable and supporting educators in the best way possible. And I feel like so many people are so quick to say, oh, I was only a teacher for this long or this long, but it doesn't discredit you still went into the classroom, you still were a teacher. And it means that you still have that heart and you're still bringing that heart to whatever you do after you leave the classroom. So kudos to you. You have done so much. And this has been just such a joy to talk to you and learn from you. Katie, if anyone wants to learn a little bit more about Ed2Market, see if you're hiring for any freelance or contract positions, how do they find you? Where do they go? Sure. So head to edtomarket.com. So that's E-D, the number two, and then market.com. And you'll find our website. You'll see any open positions that we have. If you're interested in just submitting a resume for potential contract positions, just email us at info at edtomarket.com or fill out the contact form on our website. And we'd love to connect and learn more about your work. And don't forget to update your resume and send over samples when you're doing that. Yes, please. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Katie. This has been so fun. Thank you. I want to give a huge thank you to Katie for coming on and just sharing all this really great information with this audience. If you have been enjoying the Teacher Career Coach podcast, I have a huge favor to ask. Well, it's not that huge. It only takes 90 seconds of your time but so many people forget to do this. It is leaving us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to. So this is such a small gesture that helps us out tremendously when it comes to helping other people find this podcast and just helping this podcast stay afloat. 
So thank you so much for going. We read all of our reviews and we are so grateful for all of you who are listening. And we hope that you can take a second to leave us a rating and review. We'll see you on the very next episode of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast.